0: Hello and welcome to the Matching Mom Jeans podcast. I'm Shelby, and I'm Nicole,
1: and uh, we were kind of glad that you got to have a restful Mother's Day. Um, Did you do anything special?
0: Oh, Mother's Day was actually like really, really great this year. I think last year for my first Mother's Day, my expectations were a little high for somebody who had a you know an almost five month old Mm, because it wasn't as like it wasn't as like fun as I wanted it to be. But this year I had a little bit more, I actually kind of had lowered expectations because um, we had just gone to Taylor Swift like the weekend before. Yeah. And that was a huge, crazy weekend. And so I really didn't want to like try to do some fancy brunch plans or try to do anything like that. And so I put some food in the crock pot overnight the night before Yeah, so that I didn't have to cook on Mother's Day, which was like a really great goal for myself. And then the weather was kind and we just, thats good. my husband made me a fancy um, latte and we turned on the bubble machine and we got out the water table at like 7.30 in the morning <laughs> so that we could drink our coffee in peace.
1: I like that. I like and
0: that. And it was like a beautiful bubble filled morning.
1: There we go. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so my son's but yours day was also Mother's Day.
0: Yeah. And it was a people, big, big, big day. Well, both he and I were
1: sick, so we basically decided to, like, order pizza. My husband's out of town. Our mom was here, Um, and then we just had um, Rory with us. Of course, you know, my stepson was with his mom, and so we just had a really, really, really casual day. I got excited because I thought at first um, that my husband was going to be able to call a little bit more um, because he was supposed to be, like, a... So he's away with the military and he was supposed to kind of have his phone more. And then he ended up not being able to have his phone more, but we got to talk to him that evening, which was really nice. Um, And of course my son loved it. So, but we, you know, for my son's birthday, we got him a water table. So um, we're officially sponsored by water tables this summer.
0: (laughs) Oh, I think, I mean, I was not going to get a water table and then, a couple episodes back when Lori was on the podcast, we after the podcast wrapped up, I was talking about to both of you about how I was trying to decide between like a little basketball goal, maybe, because my daughter's super in to everything everything is ball. Everything is ball. Or if I should just like bite the bullet and get a Um, water table. But then I was like, do you always have to put them in a swimsuit and a swim diaper for the water table? And Lori was like, "Nah, girl, water table, water table, regular clothes. It's about to be so hot that they're going to dry as soon as they get wet.
1: Yeah. It's been a little devastating for us because um, it's been kind of cold here. Like we had a wind chill and I'm just like, this is not fun. Like, you have a May birthday. I should be able to get you a water related thing and then you do it
0: every day. Oh, it was wow. like sixty sixty two degrees the other morning, but um we're in a big no phase right now and I, I I can handle a lot, but I tap out on the number of times I can hear the word no. Yeah. That's um right. like way more than any other like stressor I have had as a parent so far. Is the word "no" is just very triggering for me, I guess, and and she shouts it in my
1: face. Mm, that's um, that's really 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 hard.
0: And, you know, it's one of those things where like all the books say, the more that you react, the more that it feeds it. Well, I must have reacted really poorly the first couple times because I mean, she will just scream "no,", no. and then she'll just look at me like, "What are you gonna do yeah. about it?"
1: Yeah, sometimes they just have that thing that they latch to Right now, it's um. Get on the couch, have booby milk. Get on the couch, have booby milk. Get on the couch, have booby milk. Get on the <laughs> couch, have boobie milk. Get on the couch, have booby milk. I honestly considered recording it, um, just so I could send it to everyone I know and be like, "How do I survive this phase?" Um, because then I get on the couch and he doesn't want booby milk. He just wanted to tell me a story or sing a song. Or do the ABCs. Like, it's just a lie to get my attention.
0: <laughs> well, I couldn't handle the no anymore. And it was like 62 degrees that day. And so. Warm enough. <laughs> I put I put warm water in the water table.
1: Yeah, that's what we've been doing. I was we've like, been taking is like, that fine? Like, we've been taking like a picture of like really warm water out there.
0: And then wow. then she didn't say no. She just kept going, hot. <laughs> and I was like, it's not hot. It's warm
1: yeah it feels hot because you're used to ice cold water this
0: is oh literally we put ice cubes in it because she's she's a big scooper dumper she loves to dump and that's what she says is dump um (laughs) and so we will put ice cubes in her water table so that she has something to like scoop because she doesn't like to scoop the little fish she doesn't like to scoop little sponge pieces or any of the things the pinterest moms do she likes to scoop ice cubes I mean, it's
1: because she understands the importance of being able to just really get that ice in there for those bevvies. I think she really
0: likes cold water. I mean, I didn't like cold water until I was pregnant with her, and then I craved ice cold water,
1: and I still only
0: like ice cold water now.
1: My son will not touch anything if it is cold. In fact, sometimes you have to lie to him. Like, we made popsicles because he has been sick, and we wanted to hydrate him. We made Popsicles out of his favorite type of juice, which happens to be what I drink every single day, duh. Um, and he took one lick, put it on the ground, and said, "No, cold, cold, no." <laughs> and I, I
0: was like, "I don't, I don't want a have, cold popsicle." I was like, "Did you have
1: to put it on the ground? Like, I want it."
0: <laughs> oh That's why we you only not. make popsicles out of water around here, because otherwise, I will just find little petals throughout the house and not know what they are. Mm, love that, um, but. On top of, you know, water tables, but it being cold and um, constant need for booby milk, but not real booby milk and all of those things, it is May. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month.
1: And in typical American fashion, we lumped maternal mental health in like it's just the same thing.
0: <laughs> I right? love
1: that about things. Although in April, and this is incredibly important, this started... I guess maybe last year, if not the year before. Very recently, April 11th through 15th or 11th through 17th is Black Maternal Mental Health Awareness. And that's important because there are so many racial racial dis- dispar- disparities.
0: Yeah, disparities? Disparity Disparity. disparity there
1: are there are massive different statistics and and experiences and in fact i have a movie that you and i are going to watch together and if anyone wants to i'm going to find a link to it but there is this really beautiful like short movie it's like 20 minutes um called toxic a black woman's story and it is um it's a it's a documentary type where they follow a pregnant woman and all of her interactions throughout her pregnancy and and really tally up the nitty-gritty grossness that is racism in the medical field
0: um, and how it impacts. I mean, it is heartbreaking, especially where I live, to see the statistics that have come out. Um, one, I mean, I gave birth in, in 2021, and um, Arkansas, where I live, was ranked, I think, I want to say bottom three. Maybe bottom state. We might have been fiftieth for know, maternal. It's really hard
1: to beat, like Mississippi. Mississippi has right? like, been down there. But we were.
0: A I mean, we were so low on maternal health, and um, so many mothers die or have catastrophic injuries or hemorrhages. Which I was. I hemorrhaged. You know, like um, which we had it's... so much going on. But to see those numbers is heartbreaking. But then when you take it and you divide it mm-hmm. Into and, the and take black women out overplay. and you see that it's like three times, five times worse. I mean, it is heartbreaking. It makes you just want to scream. Mm-hmm. It really does. At the world that we live in in 2023.
1: Well, I have, I have some even more... Um... I have some more statistics for you that are going to make you scream because
0: awesome. I'm right. Um,
1: so we all know that the global pandemic impacted mental health. But did you know that in 2022, there were some really big studies done on maternal mental health because they did kind of have a lot more. Of a captive audience i think is how we'll say it <laughs> they had a lot more people engaging in research because there wasn't anything anyone could do really um and that sounds awful but it's true we also had a you know a small baby boom not anything near like original baby boomers but still
0: um so because prior people to- having to stay home meant that women got to stay home with their children
1: shocking i know shocking. isn't it almost like that's good for you know all of these people Um, Who is it? It's a billionaire who's all freaked out about dwindling birth rates. And I just want to be like, cool, um, let's make it financially where people can stay home with their kids. Thanks. Um, But anyway, so prior to the pandemic, um, one in seven mothers tested positive or were screened positive for postpartum depression. Post-pandemic, as For in, the purpose
0: of your statistics, we're going to assume that the screening is more than, you good, bro?
1: Well, okay. So here's the thing. That's if you are screened.
0: Right. Because so I got, you good, bro?
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, and let me think, how did they say that it was screening?
0: I mean, there is an official quiz, but... Well, but it's not it's required not. by all hospitals. It's not it's, required it's by all It's not, and it's not yeah. handled well, and...
1: And so, of those screened
0: um, in 2022,
1: one in three mothers were positive Ooh. for postpartum depression. So we went from one in seven to one in three. That is,
0: we went from off, worse to most worse, worser, worstest. <laughs> Worst. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's not worstest because worstest would be one out of one. Um, Valid it Which, might be oh we God. don't know what the statistics are
1: <laughs> exactly because nobody knows um but so here's some things that will really upset you um first off 100 percent of mental health maternal mental health diagnoses can respond to treatment or intervention that doesn't mean they can be completely taken care of but they improve with early intervention and treatment so That's like saying that a plant
0: is probably going to grow if you water it and give it sunshine. Like, that seems like the most obvious thing.
1: Exactly. But apparently that came out in the study in 2022. So, yay, I guess we've known that.
0: Science is advancing so quickly.
1: Right? Look at that. Um, But the other thing is that of the one in three... um, Well, hang on. Let me look. I want to say this correctly. Okay, no. So... In September of 2022, a study was released from um, examinations of maternal death rates. How do you say that? Death.
0: Mortality.
1: Mortality. Thank you. Um, Maternal mortality rates from 2017 to 2019. So people who now have like, what, five-year-olds to to four-year-olds, six-year-olds, four-year-olds, that... 84% of deaths that occurred of mothers were mental health.
0: Oh,
1: 84% were mental health. And that includes um, any form of substance. Those are mothers and suicide, but those are mothers within the 365 days of having their child. 84% of women who died and we're saying women as
0: people who own uteruses. So like if you're listening to this podcast and you are a mother and you still have ears to hear, you should consider yourself lucky to be alive based on that statistic?
1: No, it's not 84% of mothers who gave birth. It's 84% of deaths. So let's say there's 100.
0: Oh, okay. So let's there's I mean, still, a- still oh, a shocking statistic, but I was like, what the heck?
1: Yeah. So let's say, like in in a particular hospital, a hundred people died of complications related to pregnancy. Eighty four percent of those were mental health complications. Whoa. So that means what is eighty? It's sixteen. So yeah, sixteen of those are the actual like things you hear about, which are like health like, syndrome, preeclampsia, the, hemorrhaging, yes. that kind of stuff.
0: Isn't but that bonkers? The, the other The other 84 are mental health related. And you already said 100% of mental health stuff can show improvement with intervention.
1: Yeah. So think of how- Is that medicinal
0: intervention or is that also talk therapy? Is that also support? Is that also nighttime gulas? Is that, you know, like sleep?
1: Any any form of intervention. And in fact, that's another thing that I have down here is um, first off- that number is a average, um, you know, like you, like we just said, if you split that up into um, races and incomes and all of that thing, then obviously you get it's worse, way worse for worse some people. Numbers. Yeah. Um, and that population, any population other than white women <laughs> uh, are also increasingly less likely to. I don't know how to say that, increasingly less likely to seek help. So like they are l- they are not getting help even though their numbers are even higher.
0: Oh, they're not getting help because the help doesn't exist or the insurance for the health doesn't exist or the resources are not or they just simply aren't supported in trying to it. get support, all of the above? Yes, all of them. Wow, it. Okay.
1: Um. So it's just like a little crazy when. So you this is a
0: number. huge problem that is also somewhat fixable, but somehow well, just not getting. I mean, it's not fixable because it, that implies that could broken be broken in some way. They but
1: have a. I mean, so when you consider the fact that the U.S. has the highest maternal mortality rates for any comparable, like against any comparable country, so like oh, yeah. developed countries, we have the highest maternal. Um, mortality rates. And if you look at statistically what the percentage of maternal mortality is related to mental health, and then you know that 100% of mental health concerns around postpartum and pregnancy respond to treatment and early intervention, the answer is right there.
0: This is blowing my mind more than the pelvic floor therapy numbers. Yeah. that's, um, oh, that's a just, for the, thing. just for the sake of our listeners. Like, I mean, I did pelvic floor therapy. You've done pelvic floor therapy, that's but like all of the therapy. like generations of people. Yeah. You're still in pelvic floor therapy. Don't scare Never people. Okay? Never <laughs> um, no, no, I just, I just love her so much. I'm going to continue to go. Exactly. Um, our best but you know what I mean? Like I like just, just to think of generations of women before our generation, that lived with ongoing physical problems mm-hmm. due to pregnancy and birth and the load that your body takes on. Yeah. And I just mean, basically to have really happened across pelvic floor therapy on TikTok and that's why I am not peeing myself when I laugh. I it's was just mind baffling to me. Totally,
1: um, my my physical therapist and I do talk about like she sees all of these Older women, like postmenopausal women, for issues that have gone on since they gave birth.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, my husband is thirty, and his mom mentioned the other day that she still has no feeling in her, in like her stomach between her C-section scar and her belly button. And I've got like 80 percent of my feeling back. That may be all I ever get.
1: Yeah, but, but it's like, not a huge
0: better. numb spot in my life. Yeah, a huge numb. Um, spot. It's weird. It's really weird. It's like having an appendage always asleep. But anyways, like that is mind blowing in itself. But then this to be a bigger, more catastrophic issue, I would say, like, I'd rather pee myself than not make it through the first year of my child's life. But like,
1: then you think about the, we know in the mental health field, or at least I know in the mental health field, the impact that the loss of a parent has on a child and on a family. And then you're, whoa, yeah, you you think about that. And then you think these are not all first time mothers so you have older children it multiplies so i mean you think about it that way multiplies and multiplies
0: and multiplies and multiplies um and it yeah because i mean like a mom of four peeing herself arguably not going to directly impact those children's lives and choices but like a mom of four no longer existing
1: yeah losing her life to mental health struggles that are treatable is just insane
0: so or like we say losing her life obviously that is beyond worst case but we're also talking about people who lose their jobs people who uh f- who like risk the trajectory of their careers having to take extended time off like i, I am taking extended imagine. time off you what
1: i can't even imagine if we did the statistics on functionality
0: like, right how much i'm talking more- like functional we're talking about marriages mm-hmm. being directly impacted
1: Yeah, I'm waiting for for someone to dig into those because they do say that like the year after having a baby is like one of the hardest in your relationship. Isn't
0: it like one in five couples divorce or something? One in five or one in six like couples divorce in the first year?
1: And I don't – I have not been able to find any research. If anyone has a research article on this, I would love to read it. But there's not a lot of research on um, how – mental health changes. I mean, we're just finally getting information on like dads and like fathers experiencing postpartum depression and things along those lines. Um, but I haven't seen anyone really connecting those of like, is the conflict and destruction of your co-parenting relationship directly related to these horrific statistics around mental health? Um, And it's just, I mean, because if you look at, so in 2022, one in three mothers were screened positive for postpartum depression. Of that third of mothers, a fifth of those, so 20% of that third, and I don't know how to do math on that, they (laughs) also reported self harm, which Mm. is crazy because the year after you're having a baby, your body is already like, just so messed up
0: going through it
1: so insane what your body is actually experiencing and what you're trying to heal from and i mean i would argue that by your baby's first birthday you are not still healed like you are just not
0: no i mean uh like physically but also like mentally
1: mentally and emotionally all of it um and so it's just like when you just really dig into it it has become kind of this rabbit hole that I exist in. And that's because I was on, so another study came out in 2022, and then I'm gonna stop citing studies. I was about to say, that's so many studies
0: for one episode. The
1: largest, the largest, oh, what sucks is these are only two. These are only two studies, one that has all the statistics in it. And then the second study, it was the largest study to date on 150,000 kids, long-term outcomes, Um that there is no effect of taking an antidepressant while you're pregnant
0: there is no oh, negative like impact the no like there's no negative impact on like fetuses no, there is in no
1: impact. there's no higher reports of your child having mental health issues there's no higher reports of them having medical issues there's no higher reports of autism that was a big red flag for a little while um you know like there is nothing wrong with doctors letting mothers take antidepressants i was on antidepressants during my incredible yeah, but they're Irish
0: still not pregnancy. letting pregnant women eat deli meat and they're more likely to get listeria from baby carrots too so
1: <laughs> yeah the the deli meat one
0: i still not remember meat losing meat my, my mind over time. that because the only like my biggest listeria scare was from a sam's mm-hmm. blueberry muffin
1: I think about that every time I see pre-packaged blueberry muffins. I'm like – I they can't do it up. anymore. Look out, I make my
0: blueberry muffins from scratch now. I have like I – have, I have, you know, just like so much anxiety of, about Sam's blueberry muffins now. Yeah. And the big listeria scare because like I avoided all the things. You I avoided the baby know. carrots. I avoided the deli meat. I didn't eat the sushi. Meanwhile,
1: I was allergic to the sun the last two months of my pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> I was allergic to sunlight and broke out in hives. I mean, but side, you know what I
0: mean? Like it's just so me. wild how far behind science is on this stuff and the effect it's having on 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 mental health that that is avoidable, you know, in so many ways. And there, I mean, there's some great, great, great scientists. A lot of them are women out there that are like, working very hard to combat some of this like ancient theology out there that's like about like what pregnant women can and can't do um you know Emily Oster is a, is a huge voice for like informing parents informing mothers on like what can and can't be done and what the research actually says and what the research like what the quality of that research is
1: yeah because that's a big one as well it's like what is right. the quality like, of
0: what is? can be expanded and what can't be like as a as an engineer as a scientist like the research is not all research like it's not I'm all the going same to
1: Attach my studies from today so that my fellow nerds can dig in
0: yes i, I would definitely include is. them but yeah. like and then you you've also just got like the, the reality of it all like everybody's having different situations you and i had completely different mental health struggles we have completely different support systems yeah we have the same biology in some ways but like we have the same biology and and yes i had a a, a more traumatic c-section hemorrhage kind of birth and you had more of this this beautiful story um
1: yeah it's a beautiful it's, story it's there's
0: there's beauty <laughs> in it <No>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean like like we definitely we land somewhere in the middle of the spectrum from like definitely sure well, these want to have 19 kids and can't have any more kind of vibes but like yeah. you know what I mean like
1: well and I, I like, did not even every experience postpartum depression which is billed as now again re- whether or not the statistics actually report this but that is billed as the most prevalent postpartum illness. Um, And I did not actually have postpartum depression. I had severe postpartum anxiety to the extent of like I would have like these significant panic attacks where like my husband would have to hold my baby and just let me like melt down. And I mean like I had a panic attack to the point where I vomited one time because I Uh, just – Like how far
0: out do you think your postpartum anxiety came?
1: Oh, I still, I mean, he just turned two and I still okay. have really significant intrusive anxiety and I've been on medication. I've been in talk therapy this entire time. I am a mental health professional, like, but I can tell you right now that there are moments because I've, I've only spent three nights away from him um, because I am exclusively breastfeeding and, you know, just the way that I get. And I do wonder, like, what the impact would be if I was working outside of the home like if I would develop kind of a callous towards that and actually be healthier or if it would make it worse. And I don't really know the answer to that. But there are moments where I cannot break out of the anxiety cycle until I see him. Um, right. And that is like I can't. Like, I'm very lucky that he's never really far away necessarily. But even you saw me, you know, we woke up the morning after a really fun concert. I mean, a deluge of rain on night three um, of Taylor Swift.
0: (laughs) But still,
1: we woke up and at, you know, 7 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever time we woke up, I was like, okay, I'm ready to pack up and go. Like, we had planned on doing like... Yeah, you were like...
0: You were like, you know what? I really don't need donuts from the one place I get them once a year. I'm just going to go go home and see him.
1: We were going to go get good food. We were going to, um, you know, we were going to go take fun pictures and murals. I mean, I was excited to see you and um, your husband and your daughter. Like I was kind of like in my head knowing like this was not part of the plan. Like you don't have to rush home. He's completely fine you know, like all of these things. And yet I was like, I had to get on the road, even though the road was still four hours away from him. Like the the process of moving towards him made me feel a little bit better. Um, and that's just kind of crazy. I mean, not I I use the word crazy as a mental health professional. And I don't mean it at in the old way. I use it as like, it's,
0: you use it as um, you started using it when you were eight years old and you still use it?
1: Yeah, I still use it in, like, the I'm a preteen in the early 2000s.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not as
1: I am mocking anyone with mental illness because I myself have mental illness. Um,
0: right. But well, I mean, it's one it's, of those things where, like, and like, and you kind of touched on it, like, you don't know if having a different routine would make things better or worse. Yeah. Um. Because I, like... I, I don't want to give the impression that 100% of people struggle with mental health issues, but 100% of these podcasters do. Um, <laughs> two out of two. Two out of two. But, you know, so I I had really, really bad um, anxiety when I first brought my daughter home, um, partly because I had a, a traumatic birth. I had to have a blood transfusion, like all these things. Also but a I suffered.
1: shiny parent.
0: Yeah, you know, also just How was it normal stuff,
1: shiny parents,
0: <laughs> and normal stuff. And I had really, really bad anxiety when the sun went down, which is a very, very, very common um, anxiety that new parents have. They referred to it. My therapist and my doctor and my OB all referred to it as sundowners. So I am going to I assume that's a fairly heard, common term.
1: I have not heard that term in so long. That's so crazy. Well,
0: so it felt like. I'm a, I'm a video game person, okay? And, like, I love Zelda. Yeah. And when you're playing Zelda and the sun goes down, Ooh. all of a sudden, all the bad guys turn into zombies or weird things that are a lot harder to kill or the cactuses come alive and attack you. You know what I mean? Like, there are so many things, yeah, things happen. that the you weren't expecting. Down. And I just remember thinking, like, as the sun would go down, my stomach would kind of start to tighten. And I, and my heart would feel like it was kind of sinking and I would sit up for the first two or three weeks of my child's life. I would sit up like volunteer with my husband to where I sat up almost all night with her in our living room with the windows open, waiting on the sun to come up. Mm -hmm. And then at five in the morning, he would wake up and tag me out and I would go sleep for a few hours. At 5 in the morning, because at 5 in the morning, the sun would come up, and you could- and I felt so much better. Yeah. that's And big. that was just a few weeks. And it's a real thing, though. I have that's talked really- to several new moms who felt very similarly. I've also talked to moms who haven't. Like, I have some really, really good mom friends that I'm close to, and we have these kinds of conversations. And there are a couple of them that I'm like, dude, to trade places with you trade yeah. brain i cool would actually brains. say
1: for me sometimes nights were my favorite time because i have other children in my home you know i have <laughs> other things going you on more
0: peaceful when people I, are sleeping
1: well i mean like to be true like my you know my husband was working from home at that time you know we had people in and out we have two other children like it was one of those things where at night i felt like i had more control over my environment and it did kind of lower my anxiety a little bit. And so it's so interesting how, and that's actually what I was going to bring up, is there are several contributing factors that that stick into mental health beyond just hormones. And I, I do think it's interesting because there's such a huge conversation around like, chemis- like brain chemistry and hormones and, um, you know, medication is, is a huge conversation in mental health. But there's also these things that you don't always think of. Um, And I heard probably one of my favorites the other day, which was how safe your house is for your child at their age and what that does for your peace of mind. So like beyond safety proofing, do you also have habits around your house that help you feel safe if you need to quickly run to the bathroom? You know, do you practice things that help you feel secure? So, you know, like. I have a two-year-old, but I also have a six-year-old. Do I keep heavy toys around that the six-year-old can play with that the two-year-old can't? No, those are special in-his-room toys. You know, Mm. have we spent since day one of potty training with him knowing that we wanted to have another child in the home close the bathroom door when you're done with the bathroom? You know, close the bathroom door when you're done with the bathroom so that I do not have to go to the bathroom and think, is the other downstairs bathroom open? Could he drowned in the toilet? You know, like there's all of these things of like, do you have a way in your house to give yourself peace of mind beyond safety? Um, And I just thought that was kind of fascinating because I didn't think that it contributed much, but then um, one day my son found a piece of sidewalk chalk and drew over every single wall while I went to the bathroom (laughs) and I was like, you know, that's something I didn't know caused me anxiety
0: until today. <laughs> I mean, childproofing is it's where it's at. It is like, where it's at. But I no live list. I live for having at least one room completely childproof, especially now that I have a toddler. Um, afraid, but I I do remember like in those early weeks my um therapist, I did do talk therapy. Um I did not pursue medication. Um I instead pursued a life change, um, and simplified my life a little bit, and it has done wonders for my postpartum depression. Um, but in those first few weeks when I was really struggling with that, like level of anxiety, especially, um, that was my therapist's advice was to simplify my life. She said, "You know, you are not. It is not a tree. Your life is not a tree, and you are not hacking off limbs. You are looking at it and looking at what doesn't serve you anymore, and." how you can potentially expand as you grow. And you are just kind of like taking a moment to take inventory. And she's like, some people take inventory naturally while they're pregnant. Some people take inventory two years in when they just can't juggle these things anymore. Some people offload some of their inventory. But but as mothers, mentally... You know, we we hear a lot about how like we don't look like ourselves or whatever. I think that's because a lot of mothers try to like hop, skip and jump and then fall in the hole that looks like what a mother should be. Yeah. And that's not that's not ever gonna work. Well that might work if the hole that you fall in looks like what the, you know, the desires of your true heart are. But the, the only way to, like, truly make a transition like that is to kind of shrink in some areas and expand in others, but to keep, like, the, the trunk of your tree steady and strong and in the same place. So you and mean, so like,
1: you have she, to trim the dead roses off so that you can have more grow back, more beautiful?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, if you want to be weird about it.
1: It's called deadheading. <laughs> you have to hack them off to so get more... <laughs> I don't think we could talk about mental
0: health and call it
1: deadheading. That is a true gardening term. I will link an article. Don't fight me on this. You have to prune it back, and it's called deadheading when you cut off the dead roses off the like
0: roses. A, I want like a vintage band tee that says deadheading and has like some like, roses on it.
1: Got some roses with skulls in the middle, maybe. Or yeah, exactly. But,
0: but you know what I mean. Like it's so. Yeah, I do. I just remember things. her saying that in order to battle my anxiety, and then later, as my postpartum depression, we realized that it was not about month five about you know five months five to eight is when my um depression looked like you know what this isn't getting better even with me going to work every day even with me trusting who my child's with even with my you know my husband helping out as much as he can like like my my daughter was thriving things were going well I was not thriving Yeah. and as we would talk about things she would just kind of say like I need you to to practice the areas of your life now as a mother in the ways that you can and and to become comfortable with letting go of things that no longer serve you and become comfortable with the idea of expanding things that do. And that that looked a lot like in this season of life maybe – I don't feel like myself anymore when I try to make dinner every night. Like, I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed. But I still – I love to cook. I love to try new recipes. Mm -hmm. So we cut it down to two nights a week.
1: Yeah. Well, that – I mean, so those are two of the factors. You know, like, we have the, like, safety proofing and peace of mind in your own home. But you also have societal expectations. You have mental load, which we've talked about on here. You know, and then you add in – statistically strained relationships not just with your co-parent but um mother-in-laws mothers your your own parents who want to see their grandchildren your own children
0: the um, constant just like kind but ignorant comments from your co-workers yep or, i work in a male-dominated field store. oh like, my god but i work in a you don't even understand i work in a male-dominated field And the number of 40 to 60-year-old men who obviously were not hands-on in raising their children but felt like – I came back to work after 12 weeks. And I'm very, very, very grateful for my 12 weeks. 12-week-olds don't sleep through the night.
1: No, they don't. And also –
0: The number of people that would be like, yeah, how's she doing? Um, You get good sleep last night? I'm like, no, I didn't get good sleep last night. I have a 12-week-old.
1: I know. Well, and it's just those are unrealistic expectations around sleep. And I wish I could do like an entire just – I'll just do an episode by myself one day and you can just uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh while I just go <laughs> off on sleep. Because, but you
0: know it, what I mean? Like, that, and frustrating that is.
1: Overexhaustion, sleep deprivation. I mean, and – overstimulation would tied in with sleep deprivation, I mean, those are the other two mental health factors that are on this list. Like they loop in so tight with everything you do. And honestly, like the, the component of sleep deprivation and overstimulation and strained relationships and the lack of village and the lack of support that we have mixed with, you know, the lack of professional support, you know, lack of professional screenings, All of these things, mental load as well, I mean, all of these things are just setting moms across the world, but also moms in America up for these horrible statistics. Absolutely horrible statistics. And you and I can sit here and talk about it in the middle of a weekday because we happened to trip into lives where we can sort of kind of afford, well, and- we can sort of kind of afford either working from home or not working full time right now because the
0: cost of childcare is so expensive that it would take my entire salary. So it's right. Like, I mean, so like even so if the, even if the, cure, the quote unquote cure or the treatment for getting you mentally back on track yeah. is talk therapy. Yeah. How are you going to get to the talk therapist? Because yep. I saw a, a therapist virtually with a baby on my lap.
1: I did as well. And that and I am
0: very, very, very lucky to have been able to do that Just say and that. to have been able to adjust my work schedule to where I got off at 3.30 and the therapy office didn't close until 5. And so I took the 4 p.m. appointment and I would come home and my baby would be waking up from her nap and I would give her a bottle and a crinkle book and we would talk about very heavy things sitting in the rocking chair of my baby's room.
1: Yeah. My therapist used to just watch me breastfeed. (laughs) Yeah. And thank goodness she's a wonderful person and I so totally enjoyed having her around for the ride. But like it was, I mean, there's this whole level of vulnerability
0: there. (laughs) Well, and that's not counting
1: like, okay,
0: like what would I have done if I was a bank teller?
1: Oh, yeah. And I didn't get off until five. Well, I think all the time about women that I worked with in Nashville who were pregnant and we did intensive in-home services. You
0: drove to
1: your client's houses and we only had six weeks of maternity leave. So nearly every person I know who got pregnant in that job had to leave the job because at six weeks, you first off, cannot be driving all over creation working 10-hour days, which was essentially what we were doing, but right. also just like how your body is healing. I mean, like you you can't be in a car for – I mean, I literally at that job ate three meals a day in my car. I, spent I know. I bought you a thermos hours. so you could
0: eat hot food.
1: I know. It was really good. <laughs> I, I let Rory borrow that thermos sometimes. We call it the blue bullet. Um, the blue bullet, but um, or a pod. It does look like a pill or like a little bean pod. Um, yeah, it's very cute. But um, and I d- I only ever tell people that your husband gave it for me because it's my favorite huh. gift he ever gave me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I helped.
1: He gets a lot of credit for it. I don't know why he gets a lot of credit for it, but it is real.
0: <laughs> I mean, he did pick it out. So, but I I helped.
1: And well, and you filled it with food that first day. So that's yeah. that's really the combined. You gift. never
0: give anybody an empty dish. Karma will get you. That is true.
1: But it's just one of those things. And like the reason. But can that you imagine?
0: About... Oh, go ahead. Can you imagine those women who aren't able like the job that they're in is not a job that they can return to after they're pregnant? So the mental load and the mental health stress of having to start a new job. Oh, yeah. With new coworkers, with a new boss, with new I mean, expectations, I, freshly postpartum as well. Like, which is worse?
1: I mean, I gave birth on May 14th and on April 23rd, you know, three weeks before I gave birth, I took my certification exam to switch career fields. And even that feels so much more privileged than all of these other situations that i know about where you get fired for taking maternity leave or you're just done oh yeah work anymore or you um you know you see horrible horrible things on social media all the time of like the back of a mcdonald's with a baby in a carrier or people doing their jobs which is totally just amazing but like people doing their jobs with their child in a carrier on their back like it's just super unrealistic and and the reason that i wanted to talk about this is because not only is it not working in our society for anyone, you know, as as two white women, we can we can say that. It's not working for us, it's not working for anyone around here. But in um 2022, do you want to know what what was released to provide us all with the support we need finally? Um what? We got our first mater- um, maternal mental health hotline in America, first one
0: 2020. in
1: 2022. You know, sweet. It's that's timely. It took that long, <laughs> and it's. Um, I'm gonna link it, but it's it's literally eight three three nine, and then help for the number four moms. And what bothers me about that, and the reason that I wanted to talk to you about this today. Is that I am a mental health professional who works in the field of children and families. I work with parents all the time, and yes, it's only you know halfway through two thousand and twenty-three, but I did not know about this hotline. I'm a mother of three. Um, I'm you know a sister to a mother. I'm I know so many moms. Like I know moms. I know parents professionally and personally. And I had never heard of the launch of this hotline. And that's kind of crazy. And also, we just got 988, which is the mental health hotline. It's the, it's the mental health version of 911. Right. Um, but it's just a little wild that those things are just now happening. Like, I'm grateful for them. And I'm glad that they're they're happening, but it's sad that I saw this, this maternal mental health hotline and thought, oh, wow, we didn't have one of those before. I never would have thought about that. And it's like, even in my field, I never would have been like, well, why don't we have someone that we can call for these things? Because we're all so used to just accepting Either you have a village or you don't. You go it alone or you don't. You have a co-parent or you don't. Like, we just accept what is happening
0: mm-hmm. and
1: look at the statistics later. And then we look well, at the statistics and go, oh, my gosh, that's awful. But there's not a lot of real action. And so I, I am kind of glad to see this. But it's just it's just wild.
0: Well, I'm kind of glad for this conversation today because – Like, yeah, you see the statistics or whatever, but like how many people out there, how many women out there, how many mothers out there, like just feel like it's a very specific set of circumstances that has led to where they are. Mm -hmm. And that may be the case. You know, terrible things can happen. I I truly feel like um, my risk for postpartum depression skyrocketed um, because we had the death of two family members when my daughter was six weeks old. Yeah. I honestly like at that, the, the weeks between week three and week six, my daughter's lives were some of the best of my life. I look back at the pictures from those weeks specifically, and I was out of the major anxiety. I was really, really feeling good. I was starting to, I was starting um, pelvic floor physical therapy. And so physically I was hopeful that I was going to feel better. And then two major deaths in 10 days. And so like when I when I think about it, a lot of times I'm like, well, if that hadn't happened, but the statistics aren't that. Yeah. The, the statistics, statistics aren't, aren't the that mm-hmm. if you have these other like in the health field, don't they call them like comorbid morbidities or whatever. Yeah. Like it's the statistics aren't if this then you're at this risk. The statistics yeah. are you're just at this risk.
1: Well, and statistics without context are dangerous but i also believe that in the world of parenting and in the world of uterus havers pregnancy havers um oftentimes there is too much context like you said everyone goes okay well this is my individual problem this is my individual thing whereas in past societies um Pregnancy wasn't a walk-alone situation. Postpartum wasn't a walk-alone situation. Um, you know, we did have I – mean, and not to get all, like, woo about it, but it's like we did grow up seeing births. We did grow up seeing um, different generations living in the same household or in the same area and seeing how different people parent. And, you know, when you saw your aunt or uncle parent your cousin – Youth went, oh, okay, maybe I don't want to parent like that. Or, ooh, I really like that. I'm going to figure out how they did that. Um, you know, it wasn't this just very stark divide of you either parent the way your parents parented or you read thousands of hours of research to figure out how you want to parent. Um, right. Or you talk to your best friend and you don't agree with everything she's doing, but it doesn't seem that bad because you don't have time to read all the books. Like... It's just really interesting that we're seeing that and a kind of a resurgence of this desire to share maternal stories um, at the same time that we're also seeing the the true truth of the true truth. (laughs) We're seeing the, you know, the black and white data of the current situation is not working.
0: Right. So like support was on a downslope. Mental health is on a downslope. And now they've both hit rock bottom. And it's kind of up to like our generation of mothers in a way to sort out what's left at rock bottom and how to rebuild. Well, And so I, I am thankful for things like the hotline. I am thankful for conversations and um, things like this for I'm hoping that, you know, America is moving forward. Toward a better horizon for maternal mental health and mental health in general. Yeah. But for now, for the women in the trenches, it's sometimes the message is just that you're not alone.
1: Yeah. And I mean that is that is the only message that can be provided because the truth is that these studies see it's kind of weird in. My experience in the psychology field, when you see a really recent study, it's exciting because it's new data and it you feel like it's very relevant. But you also don't know the like you don't know what's going to happen next. And so having this hotline come out in um, 2022, having 988 come out as the as the national um, you know, the 911 for for mental health. Um, having these new statistics come out in September of 2022, we don't actually know if providers will be able to take this, if America at large will be able to take this information and change things with it. Um, it's just too new. And so the conversation has to be right now, like you're not alone. And as awareness is raised, perhaps changes can follow. Um
0: But we know that changes can happen, and providers don't have to make drastic changes because, like you said at the beginning, like, any improvement can happen with treatment. And there are medications. There is talk therapy. There is support. There are some options for women and networks of mothers, making mom friends, like, reaching out for help when you need it without shame – those are all steps that can be taken that can show improvement. Like, I we may not be able to get the, um, you know, the postpartum depression rate or the postpartum anxiety rate or the postpartum OCD rate or any of those things down to zero. But we can stop the majority of the tidal wave
1: yeah, or
0: half the tidal wave or a, a third, third of the tidal of wave
1: of it. You know, we you can may not. Well, so we may not be able to stop the rates of, you know, actual depression and mental health concerns, but maybe we can chip away at the statistic of lives lost. And I think that would, I think that would be the biggest goal is, you know, like, and like they said, it's a hundred percent of these diagnoses respond
0: to treatment. Are you saying we can flatten the curve? Because (laughs) I think people are going to have some PTSD regarding that. I don't. I don't know that we should say we could flatten the curve. I think we can come up with something else, like dole the um, we, knife or something.
1: We can. Um, uh, how do I? How do I say this? We we can put sprinkles on the cupcake of sadness.
0: <laughs> we can pick the sprinkles off the cupcake. We, of we can.
1: Uh, we can kill the flies in the kitchen. <laughs>
0: One by one. If
1: you've ever had fruit flies in a banana, you understand my sister. Take
0: like, out as many as you can. Um, On that disgusting note. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, like maybe it's not. Maybe it's not that women supporting women and reaching out for mental health and stuff like that can be the cure all because we do not live in a country right now that that really has the systems in place, but that doesn't yeah. mean that we give up on the fight.
1: Yeah. You still try. You still try. Good. You still look at every other mom you know and say, hey, you're a good mom.
0: You still look, that's look at moms matters. at the museum and are honest with them when they say, hey, how are you today? Or, woo, mm-hmm. what a morning. Like, yeah, for I mean- real. Like I, <laughs> I, I have heard the word "no" so many times this week, and I said that to a mom at the museum, and she goes, "Oh my gosh, I know," um, <laughs> and you know, just that little interaction makes it makes the world a little bit smaller. Yeah. And and maybe maybe can improve some statistics. Um. And oh. also, so can reminding each other, you're a good mom. So are you.